as we know, inflation has been in fact impacting the cost of nearly everything. And unfortunately, that also includes your 4th of July barbecue. This oh, year. Yeah, it's going to happen. The American Farm Bureau Federation says it will cost almost $70 to feed 10 guests at your Independence Day cookout. It's about a $10 increase from last year. Beef is behind the biggest price jump. The cost is about 36% more than last year. Chicken, lemonade, and potato salad also have some of this year's largest price hikes. Priscilla, I can't remember something as awful as this, but how common is it to try to move migrants in the backs of these trailers? Human smugglers often use rigs to move and transport migrants. In fact, it has been happening more often along the U.S.-Mexico border. We have had border officials speak to the desperation that some migrants are in, where they put their lives in their hands. And recall, there is an increasing number of people crossing the U.S.-Mexico border over the last several months, over 200 border crossings just in the spring. Yeah, so all this stuff is happening while we have a dead man as president. Yeah. You know, it's it's just. Um, are it's you throwing not, out any uh, fun. any support towards anyone? Or are you going to hold off and? Uh, I know, didn't Elon Musk uh, come out recently for DeSantis? Yeah, yeah, I think Ron DeSantis would work as a good president. Mm -hmm. I think. I mean, what he's done for Florida has been admirable. Look at, I feel like I'm doing breaking news right now. Yeah. That wasn't even on purpose. <laughs> this time, blubber tweeting over a retweet begs the question: Don't you have anything better to do? <laughs> Aren't you uh, supposed to be reporters digging up stuff? Are there no more vital issues going on in America right now? This is why you're not in charge. Because if someone named Deep Throat called the paper today and wanted to meet in a parking garage, this crew of emotional hemophiliacs would have an anxiety attack. And reported to HR that they didn't feel safe. I also think at this moment, the federal government needs to be exploring what they can do to make federal lands available to help ensure access to abortion. The ocean is a source of climate solutions, and they can help to keep the 1.5 degrees target alive. For example, we need to spur the transition to green shipping if shipping were a nation, shipping would be the eighth largest emitter in the world. In May, the United States and Norway announced a green shipping challenge for COP27 to help put that sector on a pathway towards full decarbonization. Let me just get that question out of the way then. Would you support Biden-Harris ticket in 2024? I'm looking squarely towards 2022 and the re-election ahead of me. Uh, working to make sure that voters across Virginia's 7th District know what I've been doing on their behalf and why I'm asking for their vote again. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 90. 90, 90, 90. Here on Wednesday, June 29th, I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your co-host, is Fred Garvin. <laughs> also known as Veiled Prostitute. Mike McKenna. And what, what other name did you use today for your reservation? Stan Collins. Yeah, Stan Collins. Okay. The man with many names, many faces, many skills, Michael McKenna. Welcome back, sir. Yeah, man. How have you been? How's your week been? I haven't talked to you in like what, three, days. four days, yeah, something like three, that. Four days. It's been crazy. How about you? Busy, busy, busy. Active lifestyle. I live active lifestyle. You're an so. important man. You're doing important work. All right. Well, uh, as you heard, um, 
apparently Elizabeth Warren would like to explore for something on federal lands other than oil and gas. Yeah, I thought that was kind of remarkable. Mm-hmm. So federal lands apparently are not. Uh, not they're not for oil, but not, for some for some other things. They're not sacrosanct yes. to the environmental community. Yes. We're okay doing a couple of things on them. And of course, uh, to go along with his green steel, we got to have some green shipping, oh, says, like says make, Special K, says like Special make, Envoy John Kerry. I know you like to make fun of that guy, but you've got to <laughs> give him full credit. He just... He won't admit defeat. I mean, he's just, he's that's true. He's had the worst probably two years of his life and he just won't give up. I know it's great. It's wonderful. Well, do you have any announcements, sir? Uh, I know that we want to say, um, give a big shout out to Gene um, from Delaware, who we understand is not a particularly large fan of the current president. That's unfortunate. He does, certainly deserves the benefit of the doubt. But she certainly has an excellent wine collection, from from my understanding. Yeah, well. So, who, who welcome to the stuff. program, Gene. We're glad we have you on board. And we, we might have a new recruit based on our lunch, our lunch oh, date today. Sure, Maybe sure. we'll see. Yeah, well, we'll I'm see. sure Ari's gonna gonna do what he's gonna he do. He said he said he'll listen. That's a major concession yeah, for a man yeah. as important as he is. Exactly. So any other announcements? I think that's it. All right, I got a quick, I got one this day in history. Let's have it. Just one. This was 2007. June 29th, 2007. June 29th, 2007. Ricky Henderson stole home in a game the Athletics won in the ninth inning. That's possible. That probably happened too, but this was not that. What do you So uh, on this day in 2007, the first iPhone was released into stores in the United into States the of America. Into yes, the sir. Wild. A product that we didn't know we even needed I'm or wanted. I'm certain I don't need it or want it. <laughs> uh, by September of that year, here's my facts, factoids, Apple sold its millionth iPhone. In 2018, the year they stopped reporting sales figures, they had sold more than 2.2 billion, billion iPhones. Pretty impressive. Not too bad, huh? Pretty impressive. Almost as many hamburgers as McDonald's. I would say this so though. I, like I do I do miss Steve Jobs because <laughs> he was focused on the product and not all this other stuff. You, know, you so, Apple people, you're all the same. I, I'm not I'm not really an Apple person anymore, even though they've captured me. So I was so. gonna say you're all the same. You're all you're always, you know, Steve Jobs is great, the current guy's lousy, but nobody ever like Nobody ever quits him, apparently. So yeah, well, you're in a you're in a codependent a, relationship. He designed a closed loop system for a reason. That I think he was. I think he's anticipated that there come a day when people felt like they were shackled to. to God the gave you so, freedom of conscience. That no, is don't, true. Don't that is true. That away. is true. That is true. All right. Uh, what you got? Let's start with so. Let's start a different way this this week. Why don't we start with some of the items off of your list, sir. Okay. Let's get, so that we can give it due diligence instead of jamming it at the end. Uh, I don't really worry too much about it. Um, my list includes Missouri. The Senate race in Missouri has turned dark and terrible. Eric Greitens is um, either first or second in the Republican um, primary. And, um, and to counteract that, theoretically, John Danforth, John Danforth, um, establishment John, establish, you know, establishment John. I'm going to say the Reverend John Danforth is. Um, 
uh, has created a candidate named John Wood, who is, is, you can't even believe this unless you, you know, look, it would not be believable unless it were true. John Wood is a guy who um, came to prominence as an investigator for the select committee on January 6th. Um, Danforth wants to run him as an independent in Missouri. There is some risk that the Republicans might lose this seat. Um, so, you know, this is part of a, this is part of the revenge, along with the January 6th committee, right? Part of the revenge of the legacy Republicans. So that's something that bears watching. The other couple of things that bear watching is. Well, before you go down that road, yeah. I wanted to bring this up too, because this is an interesting, uh, I guess it goes on all the time, but the amount of money that it, that is being spent in this, this sort of subterfuge game. The governor of Illinois, Illinois spent $42 million, $42 million to suppress the votes of one Republican candidate because he felt, or the Democrats there feel that they can have a better shot at, at beating the ultra MAGA yeah. candidate yeah. In, in Illinois as yeah. well. So. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a fairly commonplace thing in politics. The only thing that makes it different now is the, the amount of coins. So that's one. Two is on my list is the state of Washington, the Senate race in the state of Washington. They actually saw some polling, public polling out of that for the first time. Senator Perry, Patty Murray is only five points ahead of, um, uh, I can't remember her first name, Smiley. Colleen Smiley? It's not Colleen. Anyway, uh, her, her Republican opponent, Smiley. Um, that's pretty bad. It was 48-43 for somebody who's now running for their fifth term in the senate that's bad miss uh, i'm just a, a regular mom in sneakers. My, uh, mom and sneakers um yeah we talked about this probably in the 70s episodes or 60s even yeah. when we mentioned that she was polling poorly against a generic republican yeah she she right. I mean, the bottom line is she hasn't had above 50 percent anywhere in this cycle right Senator Murray now. She hasn't polled above 50% anywhere in this cycle, which is unusual for somebody who's served in the Senate for 24 years. You'd think, you know, she she having won four statewides, she would um she would have better, better, um, better positives, but she doesn't. A friend of mine tagged this to, for me a couple of months ago as a sleeper. I noted it duly in one of my, I think in May in this year, in this month's note. Um, but the polling is the first time we've seen a, an actual confirmation of that. You know, if the Republicans wind up in a world in which they have a bunch of money at the end, it could flow to the state of Washington. Which would potentially offset the train wreck in Missouri, right? That could potentially be happening That's right now. Right. The so. lesson from both of those places is we're in the middle of the game. We're not at the end of the game. The um, Hold off. Oh. Don't, don't burn your whole list. Let's save some more yeah, for the end. All right. I just thought I was going through my list. Go ahead. Um, uh, do we want to start with energy, foreign policy, or the Supreme Court? Where, where would you like to They're go first? all the same. You, you tell me where you want to go. All right, let's do energy, since it Yay. is the American Energy Alliance joint podcast with the Washington Times. I, <laughs> every once in a while, you, you stumble on an article or something that someone wrote that is just Idiocy. too good to resist. So, no. This is from uh, a website called the conversation <laughs> which is a high supposedly a highbrow you know oh, he, you know sounds like something to be popular with the hip kids so a gentleman named neil mcculloch 
at the Institute of Development Studies, whatever that means. I bet you 50 bucks he wears a kilt. <laughs> I'm just going to read the headline yeah. and then we can get into it. High fossil fuel prices are good for the planet. Here's how to keep them high while avoiding riots or hurting the poor. <laughs> you ready for this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, saying that solving the climate crisis requires fossil fuel prices for consumers to stay high forever may seem tone deaf. But it's actually the sensitive, correct answer, <laughs> right? Yeah. Rising gas prices for gas have dramatically increased the cost of fertilizer, while the war in Ukraine is hampering the export of its wheat. Together, these are leading to spiraling food prices globally, triggering, triggering a surge in inflation and worsening the already dire food security situation in places such as Yemen, the Horn of Africa, and Madagascar. So, so he's basically stating the, the obvious, right? Um, to mitigate the the high impact uh, of, of gas prices, we have seen a screeching reversal of energy policies around the world. In November 2021, governments at the COP26 in Glasgow pledged to tax carbon and eliminate fossil fuel subsidies, but faced with dramatic increases in the cost of fuel, those same governments have scrambled to slash taxes on energy, put in place price gaps and introduce new subsidies, so on and so forth. So basically, and I guarantee you, his big thought on, <laughs> on saving poor people is to subsidize energy for them, <laughs> subsidize their energy costs. Is it possible to keep fossil fuel prices high without triggering riots? The key is to keep consumer prices high by increasing fuel taxes Yay. when international oil and gas prices do eventually fall. Making this politically acceptable requires two things. One, consumers will not accept high prices if it means high profits for fossil fuel companies. Maintaining high prices for consumers must be complemented by a radical overhaul of taxation regime facing fossil fuel companies, not just windfall taxes. Yeah, of course. Second, consumers will be much more willing to accept higher prices if the additional tax they pay is returned to citizens as an equal carbon grant. Oh my God. <laughs> so we get to all this, and this is just basically, it's just all this way to pitch Alex Flint's idea yeah. that nobody wants and yeah. nobody, nobody's ever been in favor of. Uh, here's the, here's the and closer. No one, and no one believes will work. If we, if we take this chance to make fossil fuel prices permanently high, we can accelerate the transition to cleaner energy in a way that is fair for all. <laughs> These guys, as we as we as we have the last, as this is the last, um, as this is the last uh, unregulated podcast before July Fourth. I just want to say real quick, I am intensely grateful, especially to my relatives who fought in the war of the American Revolution, that we won, so we don't have to deal with losers like that dude. It's it, you know, if you're if you're if you're an American and you're celebrating the Fourth of July this weekend, you should be thankful that Neil McCulloch is that his name? Yes, sir. And Neil McCulloch doesn't live with us, and we don't have to listen to him. Yeah, and of course, I, there was an article that said that we're having supply chain issues with fireworks. So of, thanks, uh, thanks for that. Of Much appreciated. Course. Of course. So, all right, I have two more. Uh, you're good at the bad, right? You, you, we don't get Neil McCulloch. We do get President Joe Biden. Yeah, that's that. Two more, uh, two more. This, this is hot off the presses. A letter to Deb Holland from one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten United States senators. Yeah. 
We write you today regarding the recent announcement that the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management, that's the Department of Interior folks, is developing a new five-year plan for Outer Continental Shelf oil and gas leasing. Let me guess, they're opposed. So the breaking story here is that we, we are expecting some kind of an announcement from the Today. Joe Biden administration that they're, they're going to announce to make new areas available for leasing. And, I, don't, I don't believe that. And these I mean, I'm centers, sure that's the announcement. I don't believe those areas are ever going to be open. Well, these centers representing coastal states know that offshore drilling is inherently risky and our coastal communities shouldering the risk and oil companies reaping the award rewards. So they respectfully urge the, this is, <laughs> we, this is the kicker. We urge you to uphold the president's promise and include no new lease sales in the next five year OCS oil and leasing program. <laughs> Who signed it? Who signed it? I'll tell you, but, but listen, they want them to announce a leasing program no with no new leases. No leases. Yeah, man. So who wrote this? I, I like know. what brilliant staffer wrote this. Okay. I have to hear who like, signed it. They would have been better off. Let me give you some advice since I worked on the Hill. You would have been better off closing it with, we urge you to hold no lease sales in the next five-year plan off our coasts. True. The coast of New Jersey, yeah. Robert Menendez. Sure. The coast of Oregon. Merkley. Jeff Merkley, the coast of California, Thank Diane Feinstein, Alex Padilla. Alex Padilla, the coast of Massachusetts, uh, Ed Markey, the coast of Rhode Island, Jack Reed, the coast of Washington, Patty Murray, the other senator from the coast of New Jersey, Cory Booker, the other senators, the two senators from the coast of Massachusetts, the other one is Warren, the one who wants drilling. No drilling, but wants some other exploration on federal I, lands. I think we probably should give some leases for federal <laughs> sponsored abortion clinics off the shore, offshore. Ladies and gentlemen. Should we do that? And ladies and gentlemen. Platform, a ship of some kind? People put these people in office. There are no lease sales on those coasts. Yeah. They don't happen. I would say this. They're right about one thing. Um, it's difficult to be in favor of lease sales unless somebody's making money on shore you know that it would be we it would be a lot easier to sell to sell if the if the adjacent states were and localities were making money okay i want to get ahead of this because when they announce their lease sale they're going to announce areas that have been largely picked over sure um most companies are not going to bid on those leases sure because a they've been largely picked over and b going back to the point we continue to make which, by the way, I also uh, made on Stu Varney this week. Uh, My buddy Stu had me back. Stu had you back. Companies are not going to invest hundreds of millions of dollars for a return 10 to 15 years from now, 10 years, 8, 10 years from now, uh, if the, the time is shrinking uh, to get this stuff going. If they know... We're going to be net zero in 20 They're going to be net zero by whatever date now. and so on and We're so forth. Zero now. It doesn't happen. So they can announce all the lease sales they want until the cows come I home. I mean, you know how this is going to go. They're going to announce it, and then they're going to pull it back in whatever, a year, a month, whatever. Okay. They're terrible um, people. So one more on this, uh, and, and it's directly tied. This is from Fox News. Our friend Thomas Cadenacci. I think so. Who just left the Daily Caller yeah, for Tom his gig did. at Fox. Congratulations, Tom. And we look forward to uh, reading many a great article from you at 
on Fox. Biden administration report shows massive fossil fuel industry job losses. Yeah, saw them. A spokesperson for a petroleum association says the Biden administration has worked, quote, overtime on restricting American natural gas and oil production. Um, DOE report found that the fuels technology sector experienced job losses totaling 29,271 in 2021, a 3.1 year over year decline, with the majority coming from fossil fuel industry. Onshore and offshore petroleum companies shed 31,000 jobs, a 6% decline, coal industry down 11% year over year, and fossil fuel extraction, which I hate the term fossil fuel, but I, I'm just reading directly declined by 12%. So IPAA, good on you uh, for pushing back. Uh, we are confident in our sector and in the work the oil and gas employees do to bring energy safe and reliably to our country and the world, she continued. We urge President Biden to get on board with that same made in America pride, so. Amen. So this is working, it's working. It's working. Oh, you mean the, the plan. plan. Yeah, the Biden yeah, yeah, plan yeah, is working. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it Mr. Uh, Mr. McCullough's stuff. plan is, is, oh, is yeah. you know, Neil. fully intact. I think he wants you so. to call him Neil. So that's where we are in energy. I don't have anything else on this subject unless you would like to contribute anything. No, on this, which particular subject are we talking about? Just energy. Generally. Oh, yeah. I do yeah, have one yeah, energy yeah, fact yeah. that's useful. It came across the transom just a couple hours ago. The print, the, 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 um, the, the out-year print on uh, electricity in Europe is uh, about 280 euro per megawatt hour. Now, that, that euro is, of course, fake money, not actually valuable in any way, but it amounts, it equals, it's equivalent to about $300 per megawatt hour United States money. Um, for those of you keeping track, electricity in the United States, kind of all over the board, depending on what generation source you're using, but it's about 60 bucks a megawatt hour. So the Europeans who have now, you know, a number of years paid three times what we're paying for electricity are now paying five times what we're paying for electricity. It's a huge problem. And when the recession comes, it's going to be a disaster for European industry. All, all avoidable, but they didn't avoid it. They embraced it. So it's going to happen. Sorry. Okay. Well, that's very, that's not too depressing at all. Is I, I don't live yeah. in Europe, so I don't yeah. care, but, but you know what? It, it, it's a warning. It's a cautionary tale for Americans, right? Well, speaking of uh, Europe, the G7 yes. is, is rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep those doggies rolling. <laughs> um, I, I, there was a moment, I, I'm not going to, pull the clip because it's just basically a bunch of uh g7 leaders urging joe biden to turn his chair around for the for the photo op right I, I don't know if you notice this but like there's lots of pictures of people helping joe out yeah well, right i'm good i'm glad so, you know, you yeah. joe over here over here joe joe over here help your elders it's important um but there is there was an interesting little hot mic moment and i'm gonna play part of it but um it's uh, it's a little bit blurry, so I'm going to interpret interpret it for you afterwards. All right, so that was uh, France's Emmanuel Macron. Yeah, 
Frank. In a hot mic moment uh, with Joe Biden and Jake Sullivan. And he essentially um, told Biden that the UAE is at max capacity. Sure. That he spoke with the Saudis and they assured Macron that they don't have much more wiggle room to produce sure, more. That's true. And it's it was a interesting... I, he didn't realize that he was in 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 the in the presence of company of reporters and 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 said individuals to which jake sullivan said why don't we bring this conversation inside and yeah you know you're in bad shape when jake sullivan's the guy <laughs> but but it's interesting because it, it was a largely a like a has, you know it has to you're be- gonna blow it in saudi arabia why don't you get off your Easter yeah. and get your Americans I mean, to that, that's the truth turn the matter. spigot up. That's the truth of the matter. Right? It's going to be the truth for the next 30 years. The, Repu- the the Americans are the swing producers now, not the Saudis. And that's that puts us in an enormously powerful position. If we had a different administration, they would recognize that right away. You know, like maybe the last administration recognized it. You know, if you're if you're the number one producer and you have the most spare production you're the swing producer and that's what we were yeah and the saudis know that and the french probably understand it hell everybody understands it except for team biden yeah and and the other uh so so as you know biden is going to hop on over to to uh the middle east after this um and uh do some begging and and bowing and begging uh but is it too late to point out that mr khashoggi was not an american journalist he was a blogger. Yeah, I think you've mentioned that in a couple. I just of, want to get that out of there yet guests. again, yet again. Uh, so this this is the other um, this is the other in the in the in the anybody but America producing oil energy policy of this administration. This is from AP News. U.S. officials back in Venezuela in a bid to rebuild ties. Crazy. Caracas, senior government officials have quietly traveled to Caracas in the latest bid to bring home detained Americans and rebuild relations with the South American oil giant as the war in Ukraine drags on. The uh, State Department spokesman prescribed the trip as a welfare visit focused on the security of citizens, yada, blada, blada. Maduro, President Nicolas Maduro, confirmed the visit during televised remarks. Okay, so... Apparently, it's okay to steal elections if it's in left-wing producing oil companies. In oil countries, yeah, it's wow. <laughs> and you know the terrible thing is this again. This is where it hurts not to know anything. It would probably take us three years to fix the mess that is the Venezuelan oil fields. I mean, it, you're talking about fields that haven't been worked by anybody who knows what they're doing in now almost ten years. It takes minimum of three years. A bunch of investment. I'll tell you what. What you mean? That's not going to address oh, the short-term God global almighty. energy crunch that we're facing. These people. What are you talking about? This is. We are being led by morons. We really are. Run for your lives. Sorry, I mean I'm exceptionally cranky today. I don't know why. Probably didn't get my peppermint ice cream. Well, uh, at least we got Joe Rogan endorsing DeSantis, so <laughs> things will be over pretty soon, right? I I I don't. In all kidding, and I'm not kidding about anything, but I, I can't believe that no reporter asked them, 
what do you think the Venezuelans can actually do for us? What do you think they can produce? And because the, the answer is nothing. If the Venezuelans could produce anything, they would already be producing it. it like I said, they would be selling it to Russia. Of course, they'd be selling it into the open market like normal people. Right. It's it's um, it, it's just this. Please, whoever whoever's out there listening, who knows anybody in the Biden administration, please, please, please convince them to hire somebody who knows something about oil. Anybody. Anybody, I don't care. Somebody hire some Russians. What are you talking Saudis. about? They've got special envoy Kerry who knows uh, everything. Brother, what what is it? Green shipping. Green ship. Like? Green shipping. Green steel. It's all going to happen. If shipping man. was it's a all going to happen. If shipping was a country, it would be number eight <laughs> behind China and six other countries. I just it's it's if shipping was a country, they probably need to raise an army because they're a little soft on the land part of this war. All right, where are we going now? Where do you want to go? All right, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Supreme Court. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start out. This was. Um, this was sent to me by one of our loyal listeners, one of our crack troops. This is from, uh, of course, the sat- satirical Babylon B. Yeah. Dems paused January six hearings to call for insurrection. Yeah, I saw this. This is pretty funny. <laughs> So after closing down their presentation entitled How Trump Undermined Institutional Authority, Democrats raced to join the crowd surrounding the Supreme Court building. Rigged, rigged decision, shouted Senator Elizabeth Warren. Fight, fight, she screamed as beleaguered police arrived in riot gear. So clearly there was a, a, a little bit of a disturbance after the Dobbs decision. Well, I don't know if you caught any of that. I did. And, you know, the funny thing is, so a friend of mine, you know, uh, tweeted out you know they uh, tweeted out a picture of the supreme court riot you know the riot police i weren't sure where they were you know um, dc cops or supreme court marshals or what but you know there was a bunch of them getting off a bus and they looked like serious people ready for business right with the riot gear and all that other stuff and you know she tweeted out hey how come how come you get this for the supreme court and the rioters at the capitol are basically let in the doors i'm like well, that's a hell of a good question, and it, ones that it, it, it is one that deserves an answer. And here is the answer: the Supreme Court Marshal takes security seriously. The Speaker of the House of Representatives does not, and that's an important distinction. Now, it, there was nothing. There was nothing that was not known prior to um, prior to the disturbance, the riot, whatever it was. On you know, however you think about that, on January sixth, everybody knew what was coming. Yeah. Um, and, well, and, and it's and the 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 insecurity of the Capitol building was almost entirely volitional, almost entirely volitional on the part of the speaker. Yeah. Uh, so then you had the images in in Arizona, right? Where yeah, where they basically where they, had they know, rushed the they rushed rushed the, uh, the doors Capitol. of the state yeah. Capitol. But that's peaceful protest. So it, it's, I'm not condoning any of it. I'm just saying, like, there's a huge double standard here going on with with this kind of stuff. It's been going on sure. know, forever. Sure. Also, there's a huge double standard with rigged elections. What do you have in mind? All right. So I'm not going to play any of this clip, but but the Republican National Committee put together a 10 minute uh, supercut of every instance since 2000 where a Democrat has said that the, either the national or in the case of Stacey Abrams, the gubernatorial election was rigged, fixed, voting machines were messed up. 
So I merely point out, and than, this goes, this is John Kerry. Yeah, more than a couple. This is Al Gore, of course. Uh, they, they had I like, had a little role in they, that they in like, that recount. They had like, um, what, how many votes? They had like 40. Ohio, they they say carries that the, yeah, a couple like, of Republicans own the voting machines in Ohio well, they and they had, and they turned votes over yeah, to, yeah, they to, had to like, Bush. They had like 40 or 50 guys refused to certify in, in 2000, 2001. Yeah. And called Trump illegitimate, blah, 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 yeah, Russia, yeah. Russia, Russia, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. So uh, the okay. interesting thing is, is that when John McCain lost, he didn't complain. Yeah, why would he? When Mitt Romney lost, did Mitt Romney he run didn't for complain. president? Did he run for president? I heard something about was that. He, a he was supposed to win, according to the pollsters. The, you know the GOP polls. I know at least one who he was going to be done by eight. I know at least one who predicted he was going to lose. Okay, but here's the deal. Yeah. Once again, the boss broke convention. Yeah, by squawking. By squawking. By being a Republican. By being a, a Democrat. By by basically deploying Democrat tactics. Yeah, and that apparently that. isn't. There's some of that. That's not. That's not allowed, right? You're you're if you're a Democrat, Stacey Abrams, you're allowed to call the governor illegitimate. Well, let's not so, get carried away. Anyway, my point is, is I just found it interesting and it's tremendously interesting. All of a sudden, now this is a this is the the end of the Constitution. Right, what right? else you got? Pushing me off this topic? Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm fair. bored with it. All right, um, I want to talk about this AOC tweet. I mean, let's be honest we we've had this we've had this thing for three weeks now on TV, and literally no one's watching it anymore. Yeah, so yeah, it's boring. You're right. You're right. It's, so you know, it's like it's like soccer. Everybody talks about it, but nobody can actually watch the damn thing. <laughs> That's perfect, actually. I want to read an AOC tweet. Okay, this is what we've devolved down to. I just want to read it because I want you to tell me what I'm missing here. Go ahead. All right. The GOP opposes, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, universal health care, child care, gun safety, climate change. They oppose it all. They refuse to support life after birth. How can they claim to believe in it before? Truth is, this is not about life and has never been. It's about seizing power and control. Yeah. But help me understand how the Supreme Court overruled a unil a decision that nine individuals made to create a national. It's all about power and control, Tom. It would... But then their decision actually pushed a or diffused power control across 50 states yeah, yeah. 50 state legislatures 50 state governors who by the way can make their own decisions it's, about this dude. issue as they see fit as their electorate what their preferences I, you are know, here's why i like aoc and we've been back and forth on this here's why i like her because she's on message all the time you know it doesn't matter what happens if if roe v wade had been upheld she would have been like okay this is a great victory for progressivism blah 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 Roe v. Wade is struck down and sent back to the states for a political resolution to what's a fundamentally political problem. And she's like, here's the answer. You got to be in favor of all my progressive agenda to be, if you like to really be pro-life, right? So yeah. I, I'm I like not even it. I'm not even harping on the life part. I like it. I'm harping on the part that says the Supreme Court seized power and control with this decision. The Supreme Court literally didn't do anything. Did the like opposite it. of that. I know. Look, I she I didn't say she was smart. I just said she was on message. I like it. You can't you can't be pro life without being in favor of everything I'm in favor of. It, you've got to admit, <laughs> she's she's a lot better on messaging than the current boss. Yeah, she just is. So um, I want to uh, 
we talked we had a nice clip last week from justice sotomayor yes we did about justice thomas yeah i'd like to stay on that theme for a minute if you don't mind uh i want to play three clips something okay three clips okay here's the first Justice Thomas has sort of floated that out there about contraceptive rights and yes. contraception and about same-sex marriages, but other justices have pushed back to say, no, he's really sort of on his own with that. Well, Don't he believes that. Well, he may be on his own, but he's signaling as he often did. You know, people, I went to law school with him. Mm-hmm. He's been a person of grievance for as long as I've known him. Resentment, grievance, yeah. anger. And he has signaled uh, in the past to lower courts, to state legislatures, to find cases, pass laws, get them up. I may not win the first, the second, or the third time, but we're going to keep at it. All right. You want to play the other two? No, I was talking about this one. Who do you think knows Clarence Thomas more? Hillary Clinton or Justice Sotomayor? I, you know, it's... Just a Sotomayor. To have Secretary Clinton describe somebody as grievance and you know full of grievance and anger and resentment. <laughs> I was going for the irony there. Physician so. healed thyself. Take a look in the mirror, ma'am. Yeah. You're you're that I can't it's a you know the great thing about American politics is every time you think something happens, you're like, "Okay, I can't believe that." Something more ridiculous comes along. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly. one of those occasions. Oh, Hillary just keeps on a rolling. All right, and and I, I don't know if you recall, I touched on this last week. I found the clip. I got to play this clip. It's so good. It's so good. Good morning, Judge. Welcome to the blinding lights. Finding out what you mean when you say that you would apply the natural law philosophy to the Constitution is, in my view, the single most important task of this committee. Senator Biden was very focused on natural law. How did that go? Who knows? I I have no idea what he was talking about. (laughs) I just want to make sure we all know what we're talking about. You and I know at least what we're talking about. There's a fervent and aggressive school of thought that wishes to see natural law further inform the Constitution than it does now, argued against by the positivists led by Judge Bork. Now, again, that may be lost on all the people. You know and I know what we're talking about. I have to be perfectly honest with you. I, you sit there and you have no idea what they are talking about. <laughs> All I know is that he was asking me these questions about natural law. Someone may apply it in a way, like Moore, who leads him in a direction that is, quote, liberal. You may apply it in a way that leads you in a direction that's conservative. Or you may, like many argue, not apply it at all. But it is a fundamental question that is going to be almost impossible for non-lawyers to grasp in an exchange, you know, and I know, it is a big, big deal. And in conclusion- One of the things you do in hearings is you have to sit there and look attentively at people you know, have no idea what they're talking about. (laughs) And it was fine. I understand. 
Good on you, Justice Thomas. Oh, man. We have to put this in the show notes because you have to see the the expression on his face. And you have to see Biden, that cocky confidence of course. with cockamamie stuff put coming it in out the show of his notes. mouth. We should put it on a wall It's somewhere. so good. It's like, I have no, no idea, idea what he was talking about. You know it, and I know it, it's a, it's but the a, American people might not know it. Sometimes in hearings, you have to sit there and pretend <laughs> these guys aren't idiots. <laughs> oh, that's a classic. So good. It was just so good. All right, you want to hit, uh, let's let's talk about our co-partner, the Washington Times, the commentary section, opinion section. Yeah. Um, you got any previews for us? What can our listeners expect to read in know, the venerable the t- pages of the Washington know, Times? By the time this pops, by the time this pops, it would have already run. So um, there's, a, a, there's an editorial that, that hopefully is going to run Thursday, it might run Friday, on um, the, the surprise hearing of the January 6th committee we had yesterday. Um, and, it, and that editorial is going to call into question some of the um, some of the hearsay statements that were made. Right? It's not evidence, not really testimony, hearsay on the part of the witness. Um, and it's going to it's going to point out that the committee is now clearly degenerated into the political racket that it is. Right. It, it's about disqualifying Mr. Trump and disqualifying his supporters from participation in American political life and in the Republican Party more specifically. Um, and the third thing, of course, is it's a warning. It is a warning to anybody who refuses to go along with policy norms, right? The hearing's not about behavioral norms. If the hearing, if the committee was about behavioral norms, we'd be talking about assassination of Supreme Court justices and BLM riots and stuff like that. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about policy norms. So I encourage everybody to, um, if you haven't, read the editorial. The other thing that's, um, the other thing that's common is column under an essay that I wrote um, uh, about Hester Peirce, the SEC commissioner, uh, who is a, a Republican, uh, one of the one of the five SEC commissioners. She is very interesting and has really interesting things to say about the democratization of, of capital markets and the role they play in our country. I encourage you very strongly. Don't spend 10 seconds reading anything that I wrote in there, but read the quotes from her. They're all great. I'm going to write another column about her and use her, use uh, even more of what she gave me. We had a, an opportunity to sit and chat for about an hour, uh, a couple three weeks ago. And it was just really illuminating. I look very much forward to reading those. And thank you again, Washington times for co-hosting this podcast with us. We're very appreciative of that. Uh, I've got a Kamala and a closeout. So uh, you want to? Yeah, I got two things. I got two last things I want to. I got two things. Two last things I want to. I want to point out. One is um, uh, flavor of the month is flavor of the day is that um, the the decision in Dobbs v. Um, Jackson is going to be um, damaging to the Republicans in the 2022 midterms. There's no evidence of that. There's no um, indication that that's going to happen. But you got to leave open the possibility. Could be. Can I add a quick thing to that? Sure. I I don't think it has an impact in this midterm, but it down the road it could have an impact, depending on legislatures and not in necessarily in federal races. Yeah, maybe state legislatures maybe pressure to go too far in one direction or the other. 
could have electoral ramifications. Could. But I believe it's a total wash this cycle. That's my take. Uh, on I agree. I agree. And I, I'll tell you what, if it is a state-based thing, truth of the matter is- and That's I've, where it should be. Well, truth of the matter is, and I've said this a bunch of places, Republicans are just a lot better at the state level than the Democrats now. Operatives, fundraising, candidates. We're not a little bit better. We're a lot better. Um, so yeah, hopefully that trickles up someday. Yeah, you know. yeah, it really has. I mean, we truthfully, we're probably overperforming Congress. Um, so that's one. And I, I think somebody smart's going to write something about that in the Daily Caller, um, which I encourage you to um, read if they ever post it. Last thing, a friend of mine identified um, a Marist poll that um, indicated the Democrats had a seven point lead in the generic House ballot. Now that number is ridiculous, almost as ridiculous as the Rasmussen poll. You know, the Republicans have an eight-point lead. Neither of those are accurate. So I went through the Marist poll: nine hundred and forty-one adults, not registered voters, not likely voters. Not worth it. It, it. it, you know, it had a bunch of busted answers in it. Again, I encourage everybody: be don't just go to Real Clear Politics and, and click on a poll. Try to be savvy. Um, Try to be savvy about what makes a, a good survey and what is and isn't a good. But survey. you can also go with the like the the RCP like indexed average, right? Like you take all the polls no, and that's no, terrible. No, don't do that. That's a terrible answer too. That's it's it's completely it is completely um, technically unsupportable. Got it. Okay, I learned something today. Thank you very much. I'm also learning a lot for Kamala Harris. Let's have it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to play two uh, for our now. listeners. I want to play two clips and I want feedback on which one makes the absolute least sense. And that's going to be hard to do. Hold on. Now in inflation is, is really high. Are you concerned about a recession? The administration said um, that they weren't, weren't that worried about the, about inflation. And then that changed. I think that there can be no higher priority than what we have been clear is our highest priority, which. <laughs> clip one and clip two, I want everyone to vote on regulatedenergydc.org. Just put clip one or clip two in the, sh in the subject line. The strength of our nation has always been that despite the odds and the obstacles, we push to move forward, that we are guided by what we see that can be unburdened by what has been. What the hell does that mean? I don't know, but it's going to be a tough vote. That's for damn sure. <laughs> We've always prioritized our hearts. She's like that college kid who... Yes. Like, you don't even have to finish the sentence. Yes. Couldn't stretch enough words out of the, the essay she's like right? she's like the sophomore you don't want to be standing next to at a party we're Nothing. out of here ladies and gentlemen namaste <laughs>